All right, Snoopy. Have your alligator and let me be unbothered. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. That's right, it's Unbothered by Ty Rivera. And you know, as the weeks go, I get less and less bothered. I, um, the last episode, just so you know, that would be the love story episode. Uh, I, I recorded that like probably at the beginning of May. I know it had to be before even, I think, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, so before the 5th of May, I had recorded it. And I wasn't going to post it, but then a good friend of mine, Derek, hit me up and was like, hey, you haven't posted an Unbothered in forever. I've been looking for something. And I said that I'm going to post one. And I was like, I'll post it on Wednesday. So then Wednesday, this bitch comes in keeping me honest and was like, I guess I'm not going to listen to Unbothered today. And I was like, all right, let me just upload this. So I went ahead and uploaded it and... Uh, what I didn't get to tell you was that other stuff had happened, uh, you know, since then. And uh, nothing good, though. Nothing where it was like, uh, you know, oh, now we're back together and this is whatever, whatever. It was just a misunderstanding. No, it got it got worse. And I talked about it on Facebook a bit. Uh, a pair of my uh, Dolce & Gabbana jeans that I had fitted for me got stolen and uh but that was i guess while he was moving out or you know when the cops let him go through my stuff which they weren't supposed to do but um yeah so it had to be that time and i you know i admit that that did finally set me off because up until that point i had been trying to be understanding about everything and like oh he's hurt and i understand it from both ways but when it came to that it was like that's just you being spiteful and i hadn't done anything to truly be spiteful really the way that that conversation was supposed to go as far as the way that i went like the conversation on the night that we ended up breaking up it was just supposed to go like i need you to be honest with me about what's going on with finances from here on out and it doesn't matter if you have some kind of shame or something like that if we're going to be together then I need you to at least let me know all the factors involved because when you're not able to pay something I have to make up for it and I expected him to be able to just take that and and do with it what he was supposed to do, which is make the adjustment because there's no way. And that for me is a deal breaker. I've had friends that are in that position where they're like, you know, yeah, my partner or my wife or my husband just, you know, spends money and I don't know what's going on. And then we end up fucked. And I just, I didn't want to live that kind of life. And if, like I said on the last episode, if you'd just been honest with me about that stuff, it wouldn't have been as stressful as it turned out to be. And I know with the jeans and stuff like that, there were certain things like, you know, that he did because as he put it on the night that all the stuff was happening, that it's just easy for me. Like that's the way he sees it is it's just easy for me. And I know a lot of people see me that way. Like, you know, oh, everything must be just easy for him. But in a lot of time, in a lot of cases, I'm actually like the um, the duck in the water situation, you know, where above the water the duck looks completely calm and like everything is going according to plan, but underneath those little feet are going, you know, and that's kind of the way it is for me sometimes. Not all the time, you know, but sometimes it is like people don't know everything that's happening behind the scenes, and I keep it that way because I don't want people feeling bad for me or thinking that they have to do stuff for me or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's not the way I want to live. Um, I've talked about GoFundMes and stuff like that before. When it comes to my friends having those, I have no opinion about it. I see very valid reasons that some people need to have GoFundMes and stuff like that. But for me, I feel like when I'm in trouble, then I need to figure something out. And, you know, it's, it's just the way that I, I do it. So I didn't want to end up in a situation where we would not be okay. And that's, in my opinion, or in my 
observation what happens in a lot of cases when one hand doesn't know what the other is doing. And, you know, with the amount of drinking that was happening and like there's just things that bothered me after I ended up finding them out. You know, I thought all that time that he didn't have friends and it turned out he had a group of friends and that he was telling people terrible things about me, which there was nothing terrible going on in our place other than the fact that I was getting very frustrated and getting very resentful of the fact that I was having to foot the bill for things when it was like we were we had come to an agreement together of what what we were each supposed to pay and like I'm not the person that's going to ask you for more than you say you can do because I feel like when I tell you what it is I can do I'm telling you what it is I can do and that's what I mean I don't mean like a couple dollars over or anything like that I'm I'm, I'm going to let you know this is where I'm at. Anybody that's ever gone to dinner with me, like the other night, Brian Simpson was in town. Brian Simpson is a hilarious comic, and I know I've mentioned him on my podcast before because we went to San Diego a couple of times together to perform. And, you know, he was here in town, and we ended up going to the Pepper Mill after his show. You know, he had been performing at the Cosmopolitan, and me, him, and Randy... I don't know if it's pronounced Villa Larba or Villarba, um, but either way, it's pronounced. Uh, Randy is his name, and he's a really great guy, comic as well. And we all went out to eat after the Cosmopolitan, and we got to the Pepper Mill, and it was going to be like $30 a person, uh, you know, 25 to 30 plus you put in, t- uh, you know, tip and stuff like that. And... I was the one that at a point just called it. Brian also mentioned it, though, in all fairness to the situation. Randy was just chill with whatever. But it was just like, yeah, if we're looking for kind of Denny's level food and we're going to pay 30 bucks or whatever and still kind of get because pepper milk can be good. But, you know, it's right on the strip and it can be good. But, you know, it wasn't a $30 a person night, in my opinion. And so I was like, yeah, let's just get out of here. Let's go. We went and ended up going to Blueberry Hill Pancake House, which is really good and, you know, crappy food in the best way possible. And we ate there and it was, you know, the price that I wanted to pay. We wanted to pay. Actually, Brian ended up picking up the whole tab at the end of it all, you know, which otherwise it would have been like 90 bucks for us to eat at the other spot at Peppermill. And I have no shame about those things. And it's not like a, oh, poor me sort of way. It's just like, a yeah, I know what it is I'm supposed to be spending or what it is I'm not supposed to be spending. And, you know, then there was the other night, which was actually not the other night. It was uh, Easter when I went out to dinner with my friend Stephen and his husband Joseph, Stephen Roberts, another comic uh, that's been very good to me through this whole situation, a real like person to lean on for me and has been an ear for me whenever I needed it. And I appreciate him and I owe him. So when he needs me, I definitely am going to be there for him. 100%, no questions asked. But, um, you know... We, uh, I forgot what I was saying about Steven, but anyway, um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, I know what it is I'm supposed to be doing and what it is I'm not supposed to be doing. Oh, me and, uh, Steven and his husband went out on Easter to Casa de something and it was so good. And that one was like, you know. I think I paid 55 bucks for mine, my part of it. And we just split it three ways. And you, But it was really good food and it was Easter and I wasn't able to go hang out with my family and I had just come off the road. And so I was like, yeah, this is a treat yourself moment. And, but I don't get to have those all the time, you know? And when I was in my relationship, I would definitely, you know budget out some money so that we could go to a movie or so we could do that kind of stuff. And so it wasn't like, uh, you know, there was any kind of like terrible situation happening here at home. So to end up hearing or seeing evidence of him telling people that I was this horrible person or this, we were in this 
shitty, shitty situation. It's like, no, we were going through the hard part of a relationship when you actually move in together and then one person ends up realizing that the other person wasn't completely straight with them about what they were affording so or able to afford. And then when I have to take care of stuff and it's presented in a way like I'm just being a greedy bitch, it's like, no, that's not at all what's happening here. If I had all the money in the world, I wouldn't be worried about, you know, having to pay rent or any of that stuff. I wouldn't, you know, it's not about greed. And apparently that's something that he had told his family because um, he ended up telling me that his dad had told him that I was just like his first wife. I sound just like his first wife and that all I was worried about was money. And it was like, if I was just worried about money, I wouldn't have been with him. That's the long and the short of it, you know, like even with our agreement, we weren't going halves. I was paying more. So if I was a person that was obsessed with money, I would have found somebody that could either take care of the rent or at least be able to pay half. So that was a little bit disappointing. And that coupled with my pants coming up missing and just the amount that I felt like I had been lied to, I did have a crazy button moment. And I'm not going to give the exact details on exactly the way I handled that crazy button moment, but there was a crazy button moment. And another one will not be happening because there's nothing else I feel that way about now. It's just, it's it's done. You know, it's it's very disappointing to me to end up finding out that the person I thought was uh, I was going to spend my life with actually didn't turn out to exist. And I, I say that not in a very light way, but in, in a way that really did, it, it is still taking me some time to process. And I am talking about this not just because I want to, but because every time I see somebody here in Vegas, they're always like, you know, how are you doing? And I know that there's like a they're wondering if I'm, you know, fragile or going to break down. And the the fact of the matter is, no, I'm not in that state where it's like, you know, everything. There's days where I miss what I thought we had. There's days where I rethink d different things I said or different decisions. And I still feel like, you know, it's there was fault on both sides. So that that hasn't completely changed. But as far as I, I just, it sucks to realize that, like I said, the person that you thought you were with didn't technically exist. Like that was just something that they put on and that's what you were seeing. But really that wasn't what was happening in the behind the scenes. And I'm gone so much, you know, like when it came to, you know, him having a different group of friends and maybe going out more than he was letting on and, you know, doing more stuff while I was gone than he was letting on. I can't really kick myself about that because I don't want to ever be with anybody that I have to, like, keep tabs on or be like, are you sure you're... Like, there was a point where he kept asking me if I was cheating on him. Like, he would ask me all the time at, at a point in our relationship. And it was daily and several times a day. And some people would say that's a guilty conscience. I don't know 100%. And I can't rack my brain thinking about that because there's certain things that I'm never going to have an answer to. But he would ask me all the time. And I I just finally got, like... You realize every time you ask me that, you're basically accusing me of being a low-quality person because I would not cheat on you. And I would joke with him and tell him that I only need one headache at a time. Like I said, past relationships, when I was younger, I definitely was doing stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. But at this point, like where I'm at in life, I don't want to... Um, do anything that I, I shouldn't be doing. I feel like if I'm going to be in a relationship, I've got to be 100% in it. And I expect the same from the other person. Like when I'm in China and I'm in a completely different time zone and there was, you know, the 12 days or whatever that I was in China. And it's like I am not going to completely, you know, uh, hound and badger you like I'll call you two times a day because those are the two times that work time zone wise where I can actually get a hold of you and you know 
he was very good about answering his phone when I was in China. That was never a problem. You know, we were using WeChat, which is their version of Facebook. I'd hooked him up with the WeChat. And so, you know, I don't kick myself about whatever might have been going on. Like, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with the way that I handled that part of the situation at all. Because, like I said... I just need you to be honest with me about what you're doing. I would ask, you know, have you been going out? Have you been doing anything? And he would always make it seem like he had just been at home with Bijou. You know, he would go to work and he'd come home. He'd make something to eat, go to sleep, you know, wait for my call. Because, you know, two o'clock in the morning was one of the times that I would end up calling a lot of times just because of the way the time zone worked out. Then like nine in the morning, something like that, you know, so... I, there, I don't feel like there's anything else I could have done. And I, you know, like the most clear I was with him about everything to do with this. And I'll say this and then I'll move on to, you know, talking about other stuff that's been going on is the thing that I was the most clear about with him when we were coming to Vegas was that I was going to come here to really work and make stuff happen. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And I told him, I was very clear about it. I was like, it's going to suck in certain ways because I'm going to have to work a lot and work, really concentrate on what it is I'm doing and give full steam to everything that I'm trying to do. And since he's been gone... That's what I've been doing, you know. I'm out as much as I can be. I'm not I haven't been drinking or doing any of the stuff like, you know, like to slow myself down. Almost every time I go out, I end up getting booked on something. And you know, pretty much everything here pays, you know. I do open mic once in a while to try new material and stuff like that. Like tonight I did an open mic. Last night I think I did two open mics and a show. Uh, tonight was a show and an open mic. Uh, last night, oh, was just two open mics. Yeah. And so I've, I've really been working, but even when I go up at an open mic, somebody that books something might end up being there and that's not uncommon at all. And they're like, you know, Hey, we've got a little bit of a budget on our show and you know, I need to work as much as I possibly can. And I've always been open about that on my podcast as far as, you know, I'm the king of taking, you know, a couple dollars here, a couple dollars there and being like, okay, that adds up to an actual bill. You know, now I can pay this particular bill and then that doesn't have to come out of my road money or, you know, my savings. It's just, that's the way that I do stuff. And, so I was very clear with him about, you know, the fact that it's going to kind of suck and I got to do what I got to do and I'm going to be gone a lot. But, you know, I promise you when we get everything figured out, I will, you know, we can do whatever you want. We can travel as much as you want. You know, when I was in China, they, that's something they had mentioned. Like, you know, next time you can bring your fiance along, you know, by then maybe you guys will be married. And then you guys can check out China together. And I like even told him that when, you know, we were talking, um, when everything I was doing was to set us up, like, you know, I put him on the lease to my apartment because originally I had just moved in here because he didn't have rental history and I didn't want to have any hiccups or holdups, you know, in trying to get our place. So I was like, okay, let me just handle this. And then, you know, after a month or so, month and a half, I put him on the actual lease. And that was so that we could build his rental history. Uh, and not only because he was going to be with me, because that's the way I saw it. You know, like if I'm going to be with somebody, then I got to help them build so that when we, you know, want to get a house together or stuff like that, at least they'll have a little bit of rental history built up, a little bit of credit, hopefully, you know, and we'll, you know, I'll help you get to where you need to be. Um, so that we can do this together the way that we're supposed to. So it's not like I was opposed to doing anything for him. The lease part ended up biting me in the ass, but, you know, that's that's now, you know, he's off the lease, which is good for me. Um, but, yeah, that, that ended up being more headache than it's worth, and I will not be putting anybody else on my lease in any way again, um, possibly if one day I decide to have a straight up roommate and I know that the person's fully legit and trustworthy, but even then I think I just rather would do my own thing. But 
you know, uh, that's what my life is right now. It's it's a lot of self-discipline. Like, I just got through putting out my vitamins for tomorrow, you know, my supplements technically. My vitamins are already set for the week, but my supplements, I, you know, fill them every night before I go to sleep. And, you know, protein powder and because... God has told me, and people sometimes laugh at me when I say stuff like this, but God has told me to um, work on my body, continue uh, working out my comedy as much as possible, and just see what opportunities are out there. I mean, I've already lost, you know, I think it was 22 pounds from the time that, not from our breakup, you know, since our breakup, I think it's probably closer to, let me not lie, I'll I'll look at the actual numbers because I have different dates where I took pictures of my weight. Um, but more recently, you know, it was 136 was what I was down to. And uh, I think I, like 12 pounds is what I lost from the time that we broke up to now, which, you know, has been just over a month now, a month and a half. But, you know, um, it's it's a lot of self-discipline is what it is. And that's what a lot of people don't get about me even when we go on the road. I just went on the road with uh, Garrett Hall, and that he's great. He was really great to go on the road with. We just did a quick turnaround trip to Fresno, but it was a really great situation, and he was a really good travel buddy when it comes to comedy because – a lot of times with stand-up comedy, what people think, even like the newer comics or the ones that are on the open mic that say they want to go on the road and stuff, what they really want is a road trip with the side of comedy. You know, they want to drink, they want to eat food, they want to... And when I go on the road, it's more about keeping costs down so that I can come home with as much of the money as I possibly can. And people don't always think about the way that that all works out when it comes to losing money on the road. When you're on the road, um, you want to plan ahead so you don't have to be speeding out there because if you're speeding, there's a good chance somebody's going to get a ticket. Then you get a ticket. And some of these tickets, you know, will be two, $300 when you're on the road. I've had a two or $300 ticket before. And it'll, you know, really cut into your profits. So then you think about that. Then you think about the amount you drink. And I don't know how anybody else drinks, but I know when I actually decide to drink, I spend money drinking. I spend actual money drinking, so I can't be, you know, out there wasting money like that and then come home either broke even or lost money or, you know, because I've seen people do that. I've seen people lose money just because of bad decisions they made. There was one situation where I ended up just leaving my feature in Utah, and that was in February, and I didn't feel like I really had a choice anymore because I had put up with this person's unprofessionalism. And, uh, like, I'm not trying to throw the person under the bus or I would mention their name. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I'm not going to pretend this story didn't happen when it's what it was. You know, like, as far as I go... When we're on day two of being on the road or night two of being on the road and you drink enough that you spill your beer on the nightstand and your phone is on the nightstand and you don't notice through the whole night and then when you wake up, your phone has been soaked in beer and no longer works. Now we're having to do everything with one phone. So if we have to go two separate ways, then we have to go old school and be like, okay, I'll meet you here at this particular time in this very spot. Because otherwise, how are we going to get a hold of each other? I can't just text you. I can't just call you. And that was at the very beginning of a 10-day trip. So it was day two of a 10-day trip. So for eight days, we have to be joined at the hip because you got drunk and spilled beer on your phone. Then drinking every night, no problem there as long as, you know, we don't have anywhere to be. But sometimes it's like, yeah, we just got to drive through the night. And I'm a nighttime driver, so I don't mind driving through the night. But when I'm driving through the night and because you're drunk, 
you're harassing me all night or waking up every once in a while to harass me and be like, when are we going to sleep in a bed? When are we going to actually get to a hotel? And it's like, if I'm driving all through the night, why don't you just chill out and stay passed out in the passenger side and let me get us? Because that particular night, I wanted to get us to the next spot because the next spot was a resort spot. And I wasn't really so much worried about that. But it's like, I know that the way a lot of these gigs work is we can usually check in early. So then we don't have to even get a room that for that night, which can translate to me actually being sent the money for the room. And then I can pass that savings on to you by not, you know, charging you for gas money or having you pay for a tank of gas because now I just saved us a little bit of extra money. And like, I know how these things work and I'm a lot smarter when it comes to this stuff than most people would give me credit for. And it's, just because I've been doing it for so long and having to figure it out. And so I've learned little tricks where it's like, oh, okay, I can do this. And when I say tricks, it's not dishonest in any way. I mean, like the booker knows how it works. Like he knows that he didn't end up paying for a room that night. And then sometimes I pass those savings along to the booker and I'm just like, don't worry about it. We ended up not even needing a room that night because I know that in some cases, especially one particular booker I work for, um, Brewery Comedy Tour, which, you know, different people have had different experiences with that guy, but I understand that because different people have had different experiences with me. But his name's Ron, and Ron has been very good to me personally. So sometimes it's like, okay, if I can just, you know, if I don't end up needing that, then then there's a little bit of extra savings for you, you know? So it's for me, there's more to it than most people would think, you know? Sometimes people think I'm being a hard ass, and it's like, no, it doesn't make any difference if you sleep in a bed or if you sleep in the passenger side of the car. If we get to where we're going, then we'll definitely, or when we get to where we're going, we'll definitely sleep in beds, and they'll be comfortable beds because we're supposed to go to a resort anyway. And so this was my thinking, but instead I'm getting harassed all night, and then at four in the morning, he just rents a room because he was like, you know, they said there's cheap rooms right there. And I was like, if you want, check it out, see how much they are. Well, without even consulting me, he just decides to put down his card because I'm sitting in the car and he comes out and he was like, I ended up getting us a room. And I was in my head like, why the fuck did you just get us a room? You know, like I technically was still ready to keep driving and I wanted to see how much that room was anyway. And so then now I have to unload the car, which that's the other reason that I don't always want to stop somewhere because then I have to unload the car. And so that happened. And there were just like several times where it was like, because this person was drinking, they were making bad decisions. And now your drinking is affecting my life because you're making bad decisions. And I have to go along with these decisions because we're on the road together. So then we're, we get to the final night and when it's the final night, I'm like, okay. And I had said this all the way up because the way that it worked was we did all these cities, whatever, whatever. And then we had to go to from the, the last night we had to drive from Utah to, uh, which wasn't Salt Lake, Spanish Fork, uh, Spanish Fork, Utah to Portland, Oregon, which by itself, under the best circumstances, was, I believe, supposed to be a 14-hour drive. But it had been, it was February, and it had been raining, snowing, sleet, hail. It was like the post office out there. Um, so all this stuff is going on, and I was like, uh, from the beginning, uh, even before we left on the trip, I was like, the last night, what we're going to do is, we probably won't even be in a hotel, we'll just drive straight back from Utah to um, to Portland so that we can get the car back in time because we had a rental car. I had to get that back in time. We both had flights out of Portland, so we had to get, you know, get to our flights in time. So, you know, there was a lot to think about. Well, like I said, I was honest about that with this other comic from the beginning, and they kept trying to, like, you know, well, we could sleep a couple hours in the hotel, and it's like... No, it is. We need all the time we can get because even if we're going to switch off, it could something could go wrong. You don't know what the road conditions are like. This comic said, okay. 
And then the night of the last show, when we're supposed to leave after the show, this person has six shots before the show even starts. Now, even under the best circumstances, if you're staying in a hotel, it's very unprofessional to have six shots before the show. Mind you, we're in Utah, so they are measured out shots. But at the same time, it's six shots before the show started. And I don't know how many shots they had when I was on stage. And so in my head, I'm just like, this person is going to be way too drunk to do half of the driving. I'm going to end up doing most of the driving, and then I'm going to have to take a nap at a rest stop, and then I'm going to have to drive again more than likely because the amount that they're drinking, I know that it's not going to metabolize the way I need it to in the amount of time that I need it to. I'm still not bitching. I'm still not saying anything because this is another grown adult. And so I'm just like, okay, this is what I have to deal with in this situation. So um, we end up leaving that venue. Uh, Everything goes the way it's supposed to go. Well, they did have a, a really bad set, which... I would blame partly on alcohol. Also, they kept asking the the guy that owned the bar to push the show back, like make it later, make it later, because they were waiting for people to get there. But that's the way it works when you're in comedy. Like, you know, really, when you're the opener, uh, even the feature in a lot of cases, you're supposed to be on stage while people are getting settled and stuff like that. This person had a terrible set that night. I had a great set that night. Do you think it maybe had something to do with the fact that I was sober and ready to go? I think it might have, but whatever. Um, So then we end up leaving the venue. The police pull us over. He's trying to talk me through it like I've never been pulled over before. And it was a very minor thing. I just forgot to use my signal light. I'm, you know, not always the best about that. And I need to be more aware of it. I didn't feel like the cop was probably going to throw the book at me for it. So I wasn't particularly worried about it. And so he's still trying to, like, be in my ear telling me how to deal with the officer. And I'm just like, everything's legit. I haven't been drinking anything at all. I haven't smoked anything at all. We don't have anything on us. Like, just let me handle this, you know? I doubt he's going to give me a ticket for not putting on my signal. But if he chooses to, that's what I'm going to deal with. And then this person was like, well, he's going to try to give you a DUI test. He's going to ask you to get out of the car. And I was like, and I won't do it. What I'll tell him is, if you need some sort of proof that I haven't been drinking, because the cop did ask me if I've been drinking. At first, he kind of accused me of it. And I was just like, you know, if if he does end up needing any proof that I haven't been drinking, then rather than get out and do, doing a field sobriety test, because I'm terrible at taking direction, I will just tell him to bring a breathalyzer, and I will take the breathalyzer test quickly, and we'll be out of here having proven that I haven't been drinking in the most scientific way possible. So I'm 100% fine with whatever's happening here. Just let me handle it. He's still going on at me, and I was just like, ugh, just leave me alone. Just be quiet now. I already have this cop with his light flashed on the back of my car and, you know, like, or on the back of the rental car. And But it, everything was uh, legit and stuff like that. So I wasn't worried about any of that stuff. I was just like, you know, let's... Let me just handle this. But he's still trying to stress me out. So eventually he's quiet. He he just takes my advice and I'm like, just let me handle it. The cop comes up. The only thing the cop says to me is, I don't believe you've had anything to drink tonight, sir. But if you don't mind, I would like to flash my flashlight in your eyes just to make sure that they respond the way that they're supposed to. And I kind of chuckled and was like, yeah, that's fine. And so... He put the flashlight in my eye. Naturally, it was bright, and I fucking flinched, and he was like, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and get out of here. Just be safe. Use your signal lights. So I say, okay. So then this guy is like, you know, the other comedian, while we're driving, the cop's still behind us, and I know how cops are. Once they pull you over, they kind of want to find something. And so he didn't get his chance. Well, that doesn't mean that I won't do something stupid again. So I'm just trying to, you know, to be as aware as I can and get us out of that situation altogether. And then the other comedian starts with... um, 
like, you got to make a left right there. And I was like, no, we don't got to make a left right there. That's not where the hotel is. And so he starts getting louder and louder. And he's not being an asshole. Like, you know, uh, he's not trying to be an asshole. But he is being an asshole, you know, because he's yelling at me. So he's not yelling at me in, like, an angry way. But he is yelling at me in a, like, you're missing the turn sort of way. It's left right there. You got to go left right there. And I was just like, you know, this cop is still behind me. So then the cop ends up turning, like, where he said that we had to go left and I'm like that's not where we have to go left and so he's still insistent that I missed the turn so I go ahead and safely make a u-turn and drive back by where he was talking about and I was like do you see it's not there our hotel is not there that was not our turnoff just like I told you that wasn't our turnoff now can you please stop bugging me I asked you this back when we were dealing with the officer I'm asking you now just let me drive you be drunk and do whatever you want in the passenger side and let me drive. Just be quiet now. And then he starts with like, you're not going to yell at me, Ty. And I put up with, and it's like, you haven't put up with anything. Technically, I've been putting up with your drunk ass. I was like, you know what? Let's not even do this. You stay here in Utah. You can have the hotel room. You stay here in Utah. Because I was completely done. And so... uh there was also a chance for him to just say, all right, I'm going to shut the fuck up. You do the driving, whatever, whatever. Because I'm already annoyed because I'm going to have to do all the driving myself. And if you think that doesn't get under my skin at all, that even though I told you the entire time that this was the plan, you still got that fucked up. I mean, like, if you had a drink or two and you were able to just sleep that off in the passenger the passenger side, fine. But as drunk as he was, he definitely was not sleeping this off anytime soon. So I'm already committed to driving pretty much the whole way by myself. The least you can do is just shut your mouth. Just be quiet. That's all I'm asking is just be quiet and let me drive us home. So... You know, he gets mad. He ends up getting out of the car before me, and he's like, let me get my bag. And I'm like, okay, I don't care. You know, like, it's your bag. And so I pop the trunk for him. He grabs his bag. Then he goes immediately to the front desk of the hotel. He gets himself a room, which I don't know why he got the room, because I'm leaving anyway. So there's no reason for you not to stay in the room. He just maybe wanted to spend money or... I'm I'm so over trying to figure out what's going on in drunk people's minds. Like, that was even a part, you know, with my relationship. It's, there was drinking going on, and it's like, I'm sober, and you're fucked up. And this was what was happening on the road with this comic, too. It was like, I'm sober, and you're fucked up. So you're having an argument that I'm not really a part of. Like, to me, everything's very matter-of-fact at this point. I have to get the rental car back. I have to make sure that, you know, I catch my flight. Like, I don't want to take a loss on this trip. I don't want to take any loss on this trip. I want everything to go the way that it's supposed to. And technically, I wanted you to be sober enough that you could do half the driving. But now that you're not able to do this and you think you're going to yell at me because I've told you to just be quiet and let me do what I have to do, I'm not taking responsibility for that and acting like I feel bad for it or like I was being an asshole. At this point, you're just unprofessional and I've got to make sure that I stay on this time frame. And it's bad enough because I had to pull over and get some sleep, you know, in the morning uh, when I was on my way to Portland that it ended up making everything later. And so there was that. Then there was like a two hour or an hour and a half where I was just, you know, sitting in not traffic, they closed the mountain, one of the mountains that I had to drive through. So we're just sitting there indefinitely. It was just, you know, it ended up being an hour, an hour and a half, I think it was, where we're just sitting there, me and some other cars. And so that ate up more time. I ended up barely getting the rental car, you know, back to where, back to the rental place uh, in time. And then I had to immediately walk over to the max which is their public transportation jump on that go catch my flight luckily everything barely worked out but if i had had another person that was sober enough to do half the driving we would have made it with a lot more time than that you know but 
this is why I plan the way I do sometimes because, like I said, I just know that a lot of stuff can go wrong, especially when weather isn't working with you. Plus, you never know if you're going to get a flat tire or there's just stuff that happens. Anybody that's been on any road trip knows how that can happen. So, like, that's the way I'm thinking. Then there was another situation where, you know, there's a comic that got drunk when we were performing at a spot and then tried to um, drive us home in that condition, which when I say drive us home, it was a five-hour drive. It was supposed to be San Diego to uh, Las Vegas, and their car ended up taking a shit halfway through, but there there was a point where they pulled off on the 15 while we were still in San Diego, basically, like we weren't on the outskirts or maybe we were on the outskirts, but we weren't like, you know, between towns or anything. We're on the buzzing 15 and it's like 10 p.m. at night. And there they decide to pull off on the 15 and take a piss. And it's just like, well, that's not a smart thing to do because a cop can see you. And, you know, if he ends up realizing you've been drinking, he doesn't have to let us take your car. Like at that point, he can decide that he's just going to leave us on the side of the road. He's going to take you in for DUI. And now me and the other comedian, because there were three of us on this trip. Now me and the other comedian both have to figure out how we're going to get home. Like that's the way that would play out. But you know, instead, this guy tries to argue with me that, you know, he's been driving a long time and whatever, whatever. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with it. The cops can still give you a DUI. And he was like, you know, said he had a bladder problem. And it's like, OK, we drove five hours out to San Diego. You did not have a bladder problem that entire time. Now you've been drinking And suddenly you have this bladder problem that's just uncontrollable. You had to pull off on the side of the road. How about we all just agree that we make it to a rest area next time we've got to go to the bathroom or a gas station or handle that, like, so we don't end up in these situations. So then his car ends up taking a shit. And, you know, he had argued with me for at least 20 minutes on this. And then he got mad at us because me and the other comedian, like, you know, uh, we're just steadfast about, like, this isn't the way this is supposed to play out. Like, you know, technically, I don't even want anybody driving me when they've been drinking. Like, five hours? I don't want you driving me at all when you've been drinking, especially for five hours. But it's his car. We've gone in his car, and so I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to make this an even bigger deal. Let's just pray we get home safely. And so um, then his his car ends up breaking down, um, completely takes a shit. We have to take an Uber. That Uber ended up costing us $170. Plus, I ended up tipping the guy, so that was $190. Well, now that took quite a bit of money out of because this was just a one-show situation. So now there's money that's gone, uh, 200 bucks. Then this was around Christmas time. And then there's also the fact that, you know, at the time I was in my relationship, so I wanted to hurry up and get home to him. Uh, the other comedian has four kids and a wife. He wants to get hurry up and get home to her. And so it's like this is not professional behavior. So then this person, the, the comedian that his car broke down, when he gets back to town, starts telling people that I gave him a hard time because he had a bladder problem. Like I was giving him a hard time about that. And... It was like that wasn't what happened. You're, you didn't have a bladder problem on the way out, but if the, you're sticking to that story, then fine. But that's still not what happened. There's people with bladder problems everywhere. They're not fucking pulling off and pissing on the side of the roads. Otherwise, you'd be seeing them all over the place. And if we were in the middle of nowhere, I'm a guy too. So if you have to piss, we're in the middle of nowhere. I have to piss, we're in the middle of nowhere. There's no problem for us to pull off with some dusty road or whatever i don't give a fuck but when we're on the 15 which is an actual freeway it's it's illegal you're not even supposed to do that unless it's an actual emergency so um you know it was just a misrepresentation and it's one of the biggest things i have even just with comedy in general like different times when i've had to like put my foot down with people it's because You're fucking up. There's no other way to put it than you're just fucking up. 
Like, and I need you to be a professional. Everything in my life has to work a certain way. And yeah, there's always going to be X factors that are thrown in, but everything has to work a certain way so that we don't end up losing a bunch of money or, you know, having to deal with these just shitty situations, which like I remember the night before he had told me that his check engine light went on, but I didn't make a big deal of that because I know my car and if my check engine light goes on, it's like, okay, I know what this is. It's, you know, it hasn't had one of its, you know, it's late on its oil change or, you know, like I know what's going on with my car, but it's just, you know, it's, it's rough sometimes when people misrepresent you and make it seem like you're a way that you're not when really all you're trying to do is do things in the most professional and efficient way possible. And, you know, when I make it, I'll definitely relax more because then I'll have other people to handle this shit. But while it's me right now, this is the way I have to do it. You know, one of the things when I was breaking up, uh, when our relationship was breaking up, one of the things that my ex told me was like, you're a loser and you're, and it's like, you know, okay, well, if you want to say that, then go ahead and say that. But I'm trying to get where I'm going, not only on the road, but in life is what I'm trying to do. And so if you think I'm a loser, then don't get in my way right now because I'm trying to make it so that you can never say that again so that nobody can say that, you know? Do I feel like a loser? No, I don't. Is my career where I want it to be? No, it is not. So I know I have work to do and I know I'm not getting any younger So I'm trying to do everything the best way I can do it and the most efficient way that I can do it so that I can turn all this around. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. And the people that don't get that, the people that want to go on road trips, that's not going to work out for me because you're not on the same wavelength I am when it comes to this is what we need to get done. This is what it is. Like, you think I didn't want to take a real pause to have a broken heart? You think I didn't want to just sit around and mope and, you know, just stay in my apartment? Hell yeah, there was a part of me that wanted to do that when it first happened. But the smarter part of me knew you came here for a purpose. Don't let anything derail that. Even if the person that you thought you were going to do it with isn't around anymore, there's still a job to be done. And you need to make sure that you stay on track. And when I was with my ex, it was hard for me to eat the way that I needed to eat because, you know, he wanted us to eat together. And that meant in his book, us eating the same food, which has, it's kind of a different thing for me in a way, because I've been in relationships where there was one person I was with and, you know, I've talked about him before. He's like just such a great person. Um, where we would go to two different places for food a lot of times, you know, like if we were going to even get fast food, sometimes he'd want a particular dish and I'd want another one. And we knew all the choices in Phoenix, you know, around where we were living. And so we would, you know, swing by one and get what he wanted and then swing by the other and get what I wanted. And we'd both go home and we'd eat together. And that was perfect for me. Or like, you know, um, another thing that was going on in my relationship was he wanted us to go to sleep at the same time. Well, I don't always feel like going to sleep when you got to go to sleep. And sometimes I want to stay up and work on stuff on my computer. And I get it if you don't want me out all night. I'm home. So let me hang out downstairs. You go to sleep upstairs. When I get, get in bed, the bed's nice and warm. There's nothing sexier to me than somebody that I want to be with, want to spend time with in bed, and I just crawl in with them. And it's just like, then I just want to do dirty things to you is what I want to do. Because I'm like, okay, I got everything I need to get done, done. Now I can relax. Now I can just slip into bed with the person that I love. Uh have a quick sesh with them, and then go to sleep, you know? And then we both get our way. But he wanted us to go to sleep at the same time, so there was that. There was just a lot of, you know, like where I wasn't able to do things the way that I felt 
would be the best and is turning out to be the best for me. So when he was gone, it was just like one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is why I started to resent the relationship. This is why I wanted to be alone was because I wanted to be able to do all these things. So now instead of moping around and being like, you know, oh, he's gone. Instead, why don't you look at it as now you can actually put your plan into action and do things the way that you had said you wanted to do them. Don't make a liar of yourself, because if you make a liar of yourself, then your relationship did end in vain, because now it turned out you really did want that over there, which I wanted both is what I wanted. You know, I wanted him to be able to be supportive and understanding. But like I said, with that loser shit and stuff like that, like that's not going to affect me. I've had people say worse things to me on the internet. So that's not going to affect me. What does bother me in the way that I feel like it's not productive is I feel like when you're in a relationship with somebody that really you're supposed to build them up. You know, like with him, I was always clear with him that, you know, because he wasn't always happy with his job. And I knew that something better would end up coming along or, you know, if he would just, you know, he was a smart guy, is a smart guy. So it's just like if you find something, you can do that. And, you know, like this is just where it's a temporary situation. You know, like, don't worry about this too much. You know, I was I was like that. So then when I'm trying to build you up and you're calling me a loser, that's not the same. And when I had complaints about our relationship, it was stuff like I need help around the house, doing dishes, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Like when it came to money, telling me about, you know, what it is that's going out, what it is, it's, you know, like these are the things that I needed to know. But I was never like, you know, you're a loser or you're a piece of shit or um, like, you know attacking physical appearance and they're like I was with him so I know all of his flaws like you know all of his physical flaws all of his like I know a lot of his flaws so you know you think I couldn't have done that but instead he ended up doing it to me and it was just like you know well I don't know why anybody that loves me would talk to me like that in the first place like even when things are breaking up it's not like you have to go completely dirty because What's the point? And I know that people go through breakups like that all the time. But what I'm saying is I need to be with a different quality of person when it comes to that. Because, well, really, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't want to be with anybody anymore. I just want to be single and do the stuff that I have to do. And, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm just not cut out for relationships I've not had a a lot of relationships in my life, you know. Um, Yeah, I I would be surprised if there were 10, like, actual relationships, you know. Um, I've obviously fucked around with a lot of people, which, you know, I've been called... Names for that, too, slut, whore, whatever. And I don't care about any of that because it's like, you know, I realized at an early age that a lot of these men aren't worth a fuck anyway, so I might as well just use them for what they're good for, you know? They're not worth shit. They're, most of them aren't fucking hanging out. And I know different people have different experiences, but I attract a lot of not shit men, and that's just what it is. So I learned at an early age, and so I was just like, you know... Just have your fun with the guys and stuff like that, but don't put too much faith in, you know, anybody really having your back and being around. And I let my guard down for, you know, that relationship. And it's good every once in a while to let your guard down. So I don't regret that because you don't know if something seems like it's worth investigating, you know, like as far as this person seems like they might be a match for me. We might actually be able to be together, you know, then I think that it's, it's, counterproductive to not explore that and for some reason god wanted that to be in you know in my life and so 
at the end, I, I still feel like it was beneficial. And even the road experiences I've had have been beneficial because I'm getting better at figuring out who works with me and who works well with me. And, you know, that maybe I don't because for a while, everybody was always complaining about, you know, needing opportunities. You always hear comedians saying that, you know, like not enough people take take um, comedians, uh, different comedians on the road. They pick their one person. And now, I mean, more and more, I'm beginning to see why people pick one person because if you just have one or two on your roster that are going to deliver for you and act in a professional manner, then I'd much rather do that than take a million chances on people that don't want to behave the way that they're supposed to behave on the road. And then on top of that, we'll come back and badmouth you like you did something wrong when all you did was ask them to be professional. You know, but instead, nobody ever wants to just take responsibility for that. And I know there have been times when I was first starting out on the road when I was a bit unprofessional. But that's something I learned from. And I did always, you know, look at myself because I just have a like, I don't know why. Well, I know why I do that. Because when I was growing up, my mom always used to make me look at things both ways. And I would be so mad at her sometimes because I would be seeing things 100% my way. And I'd be like, this is what they did. This is what they did. You know what I mean? Like telling her the whole situation. This is when I was a young kid. You know, like I'd get in a dispute with my friend or, you know, whatever. And so I'd be talking to my mom about it. And then she'd like really listen, really, really listen to the whole story. And then she'd be like, hmm. Sometimes she'd fully have my back, but sometimes she'd be like, mm, I think you're wrong in that one. Or I can see why they did this. And so she would break it down for me in her mom way, and I would be mad, mad, mad at her. And she would see it on my face, and she would be like, you can be mad if you want to. I don't care, but that's just what it is. And so I just had to accept that that's just what it was. And then I'd be resistant in my mind because, you know, I was respectful with my mother. I was a respectful kid. And so I'd be resistant in my mind. And then um, later on, I'd be doing other things and I'd think about it. And I'd be like, I guess she is kind of right. Maybe, maybe I do need to look at it from both sides. And so, you know, I look at things from both sides and I don't end up being as stressed as some people about are about things when it comes to that, you know? Um, I guess a lot of this podcast is kind of, this episode is like clearing that up and also just letting people know that I am okay. Like, you know, and I, I don't mind people asking because I'm the one that put it out there. I'm the one that put on Facebook that I was having a breakup and I showed like, you know, the damage that had been done to my apartment. And so when people reach out to you and you're all right to, you know, and I didn't ask anybody for anything, you know, there was nothing at all monetary going on or anything like that. Um, People did offer to send me money so that I could get another table. And I appreciate each and every one of those people that offered to do that, but I did not take anybody up on that in the least. And so, um, like when, you know, you're willing to accept people's help, even if it's just moral support, then you kind of do open up that door and you can't suddenly get like, this is private. You know, it's like, you know, I, some nights I can let people know that, yeah, you know, that's, you know, it's too good a night to talk about that. Like that's, that's a way to sometimes, you know, um, handle something in a classy way without being like a none of your business. Cause I don't feel like none of your business with these people. I feel like everybody that's been asking me um, about my breakup has come from a very sincere and genuine place. But sometimes, you know, you're just having such a good night that you're like, you don't want to bum yourself out by talking about it. So they'll ask you and you can just be like, you know, yeah, everything's great. Really, things have been going surprisingly well for the way everything played out and stuff like that. But it's too good a, a night to go into the details. And then you've already addressed it and people can feel how they want about it. You know, um, but like I said, everybody's been so respectful with me and so, um, so understanding. And I wish I could tell you guys more about like the whole situation, but I feel like a lot of that energy is, is just spent now. You know, like I don't, I had good people to talk to. Um, like I said, Stephen Roberts, uh, Tom Baum has been very, a very good friend, um, Ashley, 
uh, who's, you know, Tom Baum's friend. Uh, the, she's been great, too. Uh, Crystal, uh, Bobby Wayne Stotts, who's been a guest on the podcast, has been great. Like, there's too many people to name when it comes to the people that have really, you know, had my back. It's Freddie Korea, his wife. Lizzie, uh, I just recorded with her the other day. We did uh, not a podcast thing, but it's going to be something for YouTube. And she puts hers on Instagram. But there have been so many people here that have been helpful with me and good to me that it's just like, you know, I'm not trying to come off sideways to anybody really on this particular scene. And even like the Phoenix stuff, like all that, I'm just, everything, I'm just over it. Like when it comes to negative emotion and that kind of stuff, you know, uh, even, even my breakup, like, yeah, there, there's there's a part of me that, like I said, very disappointed that it didn't turn out to be what I actually thought it was. But at the same time, am I mad? Am I wishing ill on him? No, I don't wish ill on him. I hope his life continues to grow and I hope he gets, you know, like everything goes the way that he needs it to go. And it doesn't do me any good for things to go bad for him. Like, I don't feel like there's a real, you know, a real revenge karma that I need in that where it's like, you know, I want to see him fail. I don't want to see him fail. I, I don't want to see him, you know, that's where it's at now. It's like, I don't want to see him fail. I don't want to see him do anything. I hope his life is good because the more positive energy you put out, the more positive energy you get back. And when he and I went at each other the last time. It was through text, and he really tried to come for me, and I really gave it to him in a way that I had been too nice to up until that point. And I know that a lot of what I said hurt his feelings, um, but it was because he was coming for mine. And it's like, I've already put up with you several times coming at me in the shittiest way, and now I realize that you stole from me, and you still think you're going to curse me out and tell me what's wrong with me? Oh, no, there's plenty wrong with you. But I felt like I got it in so good that there's really no issue to press. Anyway, I got to get up for the gym uh, in a little bit here. And I got to take my last protein shake of the night and my last couple supplements. And I will keep you guys posted on everything Life is going great here in Vegas. I'm supposed to go back on the road June 3rd. Other than that, I'm working here in Vegas like crazy. Tonight, which is Wednesday, what is the date? Wednesday, the... Wednesday, May... Jesus Christ. Wednesday, May 22nd is what the date is. And uh, I will be posting this on Wednesday, the 22nd, but I'm performing at Callaway's through the rest of the week. I'm going to be at Tickle Me Comedy, which that starts at eight o'clock. It's in the Eclipse Theater, um, kind of downtown-ish area, not quite Fremont, but downtown-ish area, Las Vegas. I think that might, it's right near the Arts District. Anyway, uh, if you guys want to see me, there's ways to see me. Hit me up on Facebook. I'll update my website. Plenty of exciting stuff coming up. More and more stuff happening every day. Different shows that I keep getting offered. And so I will keep everybody posted on everything. I love you all. And whatever you do, stay unbothered. <laughs>